Chapter seven of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter seven. Departure for Combourg, description of the chateau. I was to accompany my sisters to Combourg, and we commenced our journey thither in the early part of May we that is to say my mother my four sisters and i left st malo at sunrise in a huge old-fashioned coach with double gilt panels and projecting steps and purple tassels pendant from the four corners of the roof we were drawn by eight horses decked like the mules in spain with bells at their necks and bridles caparisoned with trappings and fringes of diverse coloured wools my mother sighed and my sisters kept chattering till they were out of breath as for me i sat and listened with both my ears and had my eyes wide open full of astonishment at every turn of the road it was the first step of the wandering jew which could never afterwards be arrested yet a man merely changes his place of abode his days and his heart change also we rested our horses at a small fishing village on the shores of Concal. we then traversed the marshes and the aguish city of dol passed the gates of the college which i was soon to enter and then struck into the interior of the country for four long hours we saw nothing but heaths fringed with wood stunted firs patches of miserable short black corn presenting a wretched prospect for the future colliers were leading trains of puny horses with long shaggy manes peasants clad in goatskins and wearing lanky hair were urging on their lean kine with shrill cries and following a heavy plough such as is used by the foresters at length we descried a valley in the distance at the bottom of which rose the spire of a church of a country town close to a little pond the battlements of a feudal chateau towered proudly amid the trees of a forest lighted up by the setting sun while penning these lines i was obliged to pause my heart beat as if it would push back the table at which i was writing the souvenirs which were suddenly awakened in my memory completely overcame me by their force and multitude yet after all what are they to the rest of the world descending the hill we forded a river and after having followed the main road for a quarter of an hour we suddenly quitted the direct line and the carriage turned off at right angles into a most beautiful avenue of elm-trees the tops of which formed an arch above our heads i remember even now the moment when i entered this sombre shade and the mixture of joy and terror which i experienced issuing from the obscurity of the wood we crossed a forecourt planted with nut-trees adjoining the house and garden of the steward thence we proceeded by a beaten road to a verdant lawn called la cour verte to the right was a long row of stables and a clump of chestnuts and to the left was another cluster of these noble trees at the further extremity of the lawn the ground gradually ascended and the chateau rose between two groups of trees the stern and melancholy facade presented a curtain with a narrow covered denticulated gallery this curtain united two towers unlike in age material height and size the towers were surmounted by pinnacles above which rose a pointed roof like a cap placed upon a gothic crown a grated window appeared here and there upon the naked wall a large flight of steps straight and steep twenty-two in number without rails or balustrades replaced the ancient drawbridge over the moat which had been filled up it led to the portal of the chateau in the middle of the curtain above this portal were the arms of the lords of combourg and the loopholes from which the chains and rests of the drawbridge formerly issued the carriage stopped at the foot of the grand staircase my father came down to receive us the meeting with his family so softened his feelings for the moment that he welcomed us with a smiling countenance we ascended the peron and entered a vestibule with a vaulted roof 
and from this vestibule we went into a small inner hall this hall led into the building which faced the south and looked out upon the pond and was joined by two little towers the whole chateau had the appearance of a chariot on four wheels we then entered on the same floor into a large hall formerly called salle des gardes a window was opened at each extremity and two others intersected the lateral line in order to enlarge these four windows it had been necessary to excavate the walls which were from eight to ten feet thick two corridors with inclined planes like the corridor of the great pyramid divided the two outer angles of the hall and led to the two little towers a winding staircase in one of these towers maintained the communication between the salle des gardes and the upper story such was the construction of our dwelling the body of the façade of the high and the wide tower which commanded the north on the side of the cour verte was composed of a square dark kind of dormitory which was used as a kitchen this abutted upon the vestibule the perron and the chapel above these apartments was the hall of the archives or as it was indifferently called the hall of armour of birds or of chevaliers from the ceiling being decorated with coloured shields and painted birds the embrasures of the narrow trefoil windows were so deep that they formed little chambers around which ran a granite seat added to this there were in different parts of the building passages secret stairs dark cells dungeons a labyrinth of open and covered galleries and secret vaults the ramifications of which were unknown silence darkness and a stony front everywhere appeared such was the castle of combourg supper was served in the salle des gardes i partook of it without constraint and thus terminated the first happy day of my life true happiness cost but little that which is dearly bought is not genuine i was scarcely awake the next morning when i rose to explore the precincts of the castle and to celebrate my arrival at this solitude the flight of steps faced the north-west and when seated on its diazone i had before me the corverte and beyond it a kitchen garden lying between two woods the one to the right the quincunx by which we had entered which was called le petit maille the other to the left le grand maille this was a forest of oaks beeches sycamores elm and chestnut trees madame de sevigny boasted in her day of the splendid foliage of these ancient trees since that time one hundred and forty years have added to their beauty on the opposite side to the south and east the landscape was quite different the windows of the great hall looked out upon the houses of combourg on a pond the causeway over which the main road of rennes passed a water-mill a meadow covered with flocks and herds and separated from the pond by the main road on the border of this meadow lay a scattered hamlet which was dependent upon a priory founded in eleven forty nine by rivaillon lord of combourg and where his statue in a recumbent posture and clad in his knight's armour was still to be seen beyond this pond the ground gradually rose and formed an amphitheatre of trees studded with the cottages of the villages and castles of the nobility at the extremity of the horizon to the west and south the heights of becherel might be discerned a terrace bordered with large closely clipped box-trees surrounded the foot of the chateau on this side passed behind the stables and continued with an opening here and there as far as the jardin des bains which communicated with the grand maille but after all this long description if an artist were to take out his pencil could he produce a sketch at all resembling this chateau i believe not and yet my memory presents every object as vividly as though i still beheld it such in all natural things is the impotency of language and the power of recollection in beginning to speak of combourg i sing the first couplets of a plaint which has charms for none but myself ask the shepherd of the tyrol why he delights in those three or four notes which he repeats over and over again to his flocks those mountain notes wafted from echo to echo till they resound from the banks of a torrent to the opposite shore 
My first day at Combourg was of short duration. A fortnight had scarcely elapsed when I beheld the arrival of the Abbe Porchet, principal of the College of Dol. I was committed to his care and followed him in spite of my tears. End of chapter 7